Welcome to Alphabet Flight Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with guests. We talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is Rob! Hello, Jesse. I am ready to talk all about the Legion of Superheroes. Let's do this. Yep, we're talking about the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> First off... <laughs> Arm fall off, boy. <laughs> and then Matter Eater Lad. Oh, Marvel's favorite superhero group. <laughs> well, let's talk about Karate Kid. <laughs> the, yeah. Technic- technically the, came out before the movie. I so. know. I don't know how that works exactly. Why were there no lawsuits? But Karate Kid. Yay. <laughs> so uh, what we're actually talking about is Marvel Girl. Ooh, good one. All right. Marvel Girl. So, a.k.a. Jean Grey. Yeah. So, um, what do you think about Jean Grey? Well, I have a few different things about Jean Grey. So, number one is I always felt really, really bad whenever I watched the 90s X-Men cartoon. <laughs> she got the short <laughs> stick each time. Because literally, not only was the character super lame, and but every single credit sequence, it's like, Gambit, Jubilee, Beast, Jean Grey. <laughs> And and she never got a code name, and it's really sad and weird. And so that I think about her there. You know, of course, the whole Phoenix thing is like I grew up an X Men kid more than anything else in Marvel, so it's like integral to everything. And so that's cool. And the Phoenix Force is, of course, awesome. But then you get into weirdness with with Madeline Pryor and all that. So and but then she comes back, and X Factor was kind of good after a while um so i liked Jean gray for a while there but i I feel like they never knew what to do with Jean gray (laughs) um i'm just gonna stick my claim and uh, i still don't like x-men that much yeah and um most original five besides iceman and sometimes beast just like meh yeah meh no i mean they they all got the, the thing with with the original five is that I'll, I'll give people Cyclops. I, you know, he, he's kind of boring, but um, like, even it, though, even though Cyclops is either incredibly boring or the worst, yeah. he has nothing in between. But like <laughs> Jean Grey and Angel were both better after they died. And Jean Grey is actually a, weirdly enough, almost a better character when she's dead. Like Angel came back and became Archangel. And then, was cool for a while and then got horrible for a while more, but whatever. But like Jean Grey, the thought of Jean Grey has always been for made be- for better stories than actually having Jean Grey in them. Well, the most interesting thing surrounding Jean Grey was when she was technically dead in the Jamaican Bay, <laughs> yeah. and Phoenix was. St- was a cop anchor. She was in a <laughs> so tube. Like, she was in a tube in the middle of the uh, harbor in New York. Which okay, well, first let's because we're not being very like newbie friendly right now. That's right. So. Who is Jean Grey? So Jean Grey, Marvel Girl is Marvel Girl Sorry. or Marvel Girl. Yeah. Well, she first appeared as Marvel Girl, actually. Right. right. Um, she was one of the original five of the X Men. She was the token girl yes. at the time. Very, and, and that is very clear in the first few stories. Like, they're like, she is the, I remember there's some lines about her having to be like the den mother and stuff. Like, they're like, oh, she's the girl. Yeah. I would say she was that until the 80s. Yeah, pretty much. 
Pretty much. After Claremont made her into a person. Yep. As much as I kind of don't like Claremont that much. <laughs> but, no, but I mean, he, he tried. And again, for all his faults, he did really, really try hard to make interesting women characters. And, and for the most part, he succeeded. Yeah. I mean, for the, the most part, you, you say what you want. And I will say a lot of things about Claremont if you get me started. But you know, Storm and, and Kitty Pride and, you know, what he did with Jean Grey and, and even like crazy, like side characters like Misty Knight and stuff. Like he. Oh, de- like Destiny. Like Destiny. Yeah. Because, oh, like, and, and Mystique. Mystique. And like, because I mean, I know he didn't create her, but he ended up just like with Wolverine. He made her interesting. And like, uh, that, like, this is, that is, he's got a real, he really wanted to bring women to the forefront. Now how he did it, uh, you know, Emma Frost, oh my God, like. Emma Frost is amazing. Yeah. Also. How, how he like, did it was in his weird little creepy way at times, but like, he really got, the guy wanted to do it and he did. And so he, and he didn't have to. So I do to, to give him point, that. To the point that I have to give X-Men this, like a majority of the very like well-written strong female characters is really, is in the X-Men line. It's true. It's true. I mean, the Avengers have a few, but like the X-Men have way more. And even people who got really annoying, like, so the way that he wrote dialogue bugs me more than most things about him. I don't like show and tell. Yeah. And the reiteration of, yeah, exactly. Show and tell. Like, I'm going to tell you, Psylocke always has to say exactly what she's doing at all times, you know? And Rogue has to have the most, he has to write out actually the way she talks in a horrible southern accent but like rogue really is kind of awesome and what he does to her there's a lot of negative things you know he puts her through really the ringer but like the core of that character is really an interesting idea and and he 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 did that a lot with female characters but so but gene gray then really didn't become interesting until until he Claremont, got her hands on really. her. Yeah. Yeah. And well, because <clears throat> so let me just give you a quick preview of what she was beforehand for people who don't know her origins. Let's start at the very beginning. Yeah. So she was 11 whenever she first manifested her powers. And uh, after, after one of her uh, friends died in a, a car accident, um, she was seeing a uh, psychiatrist, and that psychiatrist uh, mentioned Charles Xavier. Hmm. And um, sorry, we're reading the eighty-seven version of the handbook, right? So this doesn't have some of the slightly weirder retcon stuff from that period. Okay, all right. I'm good. I'm gonna talk a little bit about okay. Xavier. Yeah, because we have bit. to. All right, all right. Okay, so yeah, she gets uh, you see the uh, psychiatrist uh, recommends her to Xavier. Yeah, yeah, and then Xavier treats her by adding like psychic blocks on some of her more powerful uh, powers and yeah. everything until she gets old enough to kind of learn how to use them. Yeah. And she was. Um, part of the original five so that includes iceman well iceman and because he's <laughs> because he's he's also i think he's also jewish too isn't no he? no bobby drake no no well, who am i thinking of who uh, else was i thinking of oh maybe maybe he no, is wait, was he jewish no, why is bobby drake jewish no am i because then it wouldn't have kitty pride kitty pride have made it bigger 
deal? Like, wouldn't that have come up or something? Who am I thinking? Yeah, you're right, though. Okay, Angel's definitely not. He's the waspiest person in the universe. Um, Beast? No, Hank McCoy. That's not very... Oh, no, yeah, he no, he's Jewish. Beast? No, 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 sorry, no, Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake is Jewish, okay. Yeah, his mom His mom is Jewish. Oh, there we go. He's technically okay. Jewish. All right. So I wasn't lying. You know, you. it's almost <laughs> like you know something about the Marvel Universe, Jesse. It's almost, it's almost like I know a lot of obscure <laughs> stuff, even about stuff I dislike. <laughs> uh, but, uh... So that's so that's Iceman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Iceman. He does. He works yeah, in Joseph, works in the Joseph village. Iceman. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's uh, he's also an accountant later on. He's a certified CPA. <laughs> that's right. Iceman is. A C- <laughs> oh no, this is this is going the wrong way again. All right, let's stick to uh, let's stick to the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I uh, so Joseph Iceman. Uh, <laughs> Steve uh, Cyclops. Yes, Billy Cyclops. Um, um Hank. Oh, wait, I should go by his Christian name. Uh, Henry Beastman. <laughs> <laughs> the whole team was a tribute to Kirby and uh, uh, and Stan Lee and all those great uh, Jewish writers and artists from the past. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Angel, Angel Warrington, Warrington the Third Men. Well, you had you had an accountant, you had a doctor. <laughs> you had you had a you had a uh, uh, the, basically a person living off of his glory days. Yeah, pretty for much. all of his life, and then eventually kills his mentor. And then Cyclops was the bad, you know, he was the the guy who just didn't. He had a rough. He had a rough few he years. Was, he was the Leonardo of X Men. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. The burden of of being the uh, leader really just didn't do him any any good at all. So, so yeah. So the basic gist of her storyline is, you know, she's the girl of the group, and then um, sometime when Giant Size X Men number one happened, a little bit before. I mean, Giant Size X Men number one. Yeah, I think that was. Uh, when was that? Late seventies. Yeah, it's like seventy, but it's always a little earlier than you think. So it's like seventy six, I want to say. Yeah, it was late seventies because yeah. uh, before they introduced the characters, I think people think more of like Cyclops and Storm and Wolverine stuff. Then she inherits the Phoenix Force and eventually goes through the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga, hmm. which you'll know. A little bit of that if you watch any X-Men media cartoons or anything related to Jean Grey. And then uh, she was... Then she created X-Factor. Yes, with, again, the cores of the band core getting five. back together. The, uh, yeah. The original, you know, uh, the original five getting back together with a new mission of finding young mutants and helping them not be persecuted or something yeah well but also being the exterminators which were <laughs> anti-mutant hunters and then for about ex- for about eight eight issues before they just well, dropped no, that it, it was way longer than was you it? think it was oh, it that, was way longer than you think it was those whole simonson years are really weird really weird stuff yeah so um yeah, but that was for a while. Yeah. And you know, uh they they and uh they met people like Rusty Collins, the most famous X-Men character. <laughs> and Skids. 
Rusty and skids. And skids. <laughs> Rusty skids. I mean, Boom Boom did get go into forefront well, from X Factor, which then, I'm just like that. Pretty good. Boom Boom's pretty great. Boom Boom's but, pretty great. Uh, and you know, X Force obviously took her through quite a journey. But uh, yeah, Rusty and skids and those two um, wormy looking kids. Um, okay, first off, Artie and Leech. <laughs> yes, Artie. Amazing. Artie and Leech are amazing and adorable little Moffats. I love them. I like them in some stories. I don't like them in the serious stories. Like, I kind of... Uh, uh, they, it's some of those... Uh. They are really, really great in the second run of FF. Oh, um, the Future Foundation stuff? Yes. Yes, in the yes. second run where uh, Scott Lang was running it. Yeah. No, that was good. Because, and again, that's when the... the they are adorable. Fantastic Four kids are interesting, too. Like, uh... But yeah, I don't like it when the whole woe is me, like, original. I think, again, it goes back to the X Factor stuff. Anyway, it, early X Factor is really weird for me. I don't know. I don't. I can't get well, into it. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I like a little bit of soap opera. Mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, just like a whole five gallons of, like, soap opera being poured on me. Yeah. Which is basically X Factor. Yeah. I mean, X Factor, it's, it's, it is when you're they're allowed to do their own thing. Guys like Claremont and Byrne, this is where you get like X Factor and Alpha Flight, where it's like they just pour on the drama because they're not really sure what it's really about. Where X Men has a clear history, you know, and so they can't, they have to bring something to that and service that history. It's almost like what um, Jack Kirby will do when left to his own devices, except you can't tell when they get bored exactly on the spot of the page. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, like, you know, great person, like, wonderful creator and everything. Like, you can literally point out on each page, like, on the exact moment on the page where you got bored. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, crazy, crazy, crazy. And I'm like, eh. It's like, mm, cool. It's another purple and green guy yeah. with a person body and a robot head. Yeah. It's uh, mm. good enough. So you did this for a whole year? <laughs> I wonder when you got bored. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Kirby. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, speaking of Jean Grey, let's just talk about like more. Because, like, again, she's been in over 6,000 issues. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Some of those being reprints and everything in different languages and whatnot. But I mean, but still, she know. is a core piece of X-Men history. Like, you can't take that away from her. She's had, she's been interesting. She's been really boring, but like, she is integral to the entire X-Men saga. I mean, look at, look at uh, Cable alone and all that Cable's done and been through. Like, that's all from that. Whether you like him or not, you know, (laughs) it's just all that comes from there. The thing is, I can't talk about Cable because he was created three years after this was released. <laughs> and I have so many complicated feelings about Cable. Well, because, again, Cable's been terrible and Cable's been an amazing. amazing and <laughs> and Cable's, like, history makes no sense. And then, but when they purify it down to, like, or distill it down to, to a core kind of idea and do a good story with it, suddenly you're like, oh, my God, Cable's awesome. <sighs> but yeah, table's complicated. All right, but we don't, we can't get to that. We haven't. We can't. No, I literally cannot do that unless I decide to do a second season of this in three years. <laughs> we can't talk about <laughs> cable, but you want to talk about? Let's talk a little bit about how the story of Professor Xavier meeting Jean Grey has been changed in the past twenty years since this edition. Mm-hmm. Cuddle up, everyone, if you want to hear a. Uh, 
incredibly creepy story about Professor Xavier. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, a non-unconcerning amount of writing was put into Xavier being like, I love her so much when she was, I'm, I'm going to be generous. 15. Let's just be generous. I'd 15. say maybe even 16. <laughs> maybe. Maybe 16. You know. Okay. Being real generous. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Gen- I, that's, I that know is, it's younger than that. Yeah. I know it is. No, I'm that is full generosity because there's no way they were like, you know, they were supposed to be like early high school at best, you know? So, yeah. Well, um, let's be generous. 16. Th- there's a lot of history about just uh, Professor Xavier lusting after this. Teenage girl just being like, well, she's the only one that can understand me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it gets weird. And like and like knowing Professor Xavier, at least what he became, it's uncomfortable <laughs> to say that. <laughs> um because first off, his main thing is mind control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is, you can and, get you into even, slightly even, dangerous I, areas there. I, you know what? I'm not even going to say, like, he was, like, unscrupulous. I mean, unscrupulous in that. I'm not going to say that. It's just creepy, creepy power in general. But also, like, he's faked his death multiple times. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, I know why. It's because, like, they needed a big story hit and then he died. But, like, it's pretty much every time he's faked his death, one of them was he uh, decided to just... Just, just chuff off into space with his alien girl, bird girlfriend. Yeah, this... for multiple years without telling anyone. Yeah, and then he comes back with the ability to walk, and it's like, oh, guys, guess what? I'm not also, dead. <laughs> there's another thing. He is at the Marvel universe. Yeah, he knows a person who lost a leg. Yeah, who can walk perfectly fine. That person is Forge. Yeah, yeah. Well, Forge, well, and Forge can invent anything. Hmm. I wonder Forge, what he Forge, could invent. I, I wonder. I wonder if there's a way for this par- for this paraplegic man hmm. to get the ability to walk at any point that he wants to. Yeah. Well, no. I wonder. No, nah, it's not possible. They can, you know, I'm, he can he can build a ladder out of some some toothpicks, but there's no way he could help. Professor Xavier walk. No way. There's, I wonder. I wonder if there's any. I wonder if he's using his status that could be easily prevented as, let's say, a for pity. <laughs> I don't think he would, because obviously he's not that evil. That's pretty bad, even for a guy who could be occasionally scummy like Professor Xavier. He just really wanted the parking space. That was like, it. Like, if anything, like, and also. For someone who fought for mutants' rights, he did not come out as mutant for a long time. That is isn't. That is kind of the weird thing. But, you know, it goes back to he always had to have the subterfuge. Like, he didn't, couldn't tell Jean Grey about the blocks that he put in her powers. And I get it, because she was so powerful, it was scary to everybody. But it's still, like, that's a core part of him, is he always has these secrets. The reason why Wolverine even came in contact with Xavier was because the Canadian government was like, look at that really dangerous person who's trying to rally mutants. Right. As a para- paramilitary force. Yeah. To do his bidding. Yeah, it was. And, and, and Wolverine was supposed to kill him. And then, and then he was just like, boop, boop, boop. Hey, Wolverine, you like me a lot, don't you? 
Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, that's what he can do. And he's, he's what do they call the highest level of powers? Is it alpha? He's and, omega. Or, he's omega, omega, omega. That's right. He's omega level. Like, he could technically change the mind of everybody in this country about something if he wanted to. But he's it's, supposed to. He probably to, did. I know. You wouldn't know. And he'd make a much better villain than, a, than the benevolent yeah. hero. Well, I mean, obviously you didn't read Onslaught. Oh, I did. That's right. That's right. But that was- <laughs> he makes an awful villain. He makes a better, quote unquote, good guy. <laughs> His subconscious <laughs> made, uh, managed to destroy an entire universe. But, you know, otherwise, he's, he's a great guy. And I mean, he was, I mean, sure, he was defeated by one of my favorite characters, Rich Franklin, Franklin Richards. Oh, yeah. He put him back in the was, ball. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, like, Xavier's not a great guy. I need to save this because we're going to talk about Xavier later, but he's not a great guy. And part of that is because, like, he, without telling someone who is supposed to protect, pretty much raised them to be a paramilitary group. Yeah. When he funds, yeah, he funds an, uh, a, a G.I. Joe type force with the jet and equipment and the danger room and all that stuff. He funds this with his family money and he takes children, children to do it. Another thing. <laughs> this, another thing. This is horrible. Okay, sorry. This was not supposed to be like a Xavier. I know, but let's. <laughs> you, you, sometimes you got to get through something to get past something. Okay. Okay. The danger room is basically an enslaved alien, oh, mechanical alien. But that's a, that's that's a retcon. I, you know that that <clears throat> came later. I don't know. That's a. You know what? It's still I'm still putting it on the list of why he's bad. Oh well, sure, <laughs> like, sure. But but also another thing, other thing. Sorry, now I'm becoming. Uh, cl- wait, who am I thinking of? Columbo. Yeah, Columbo. yeah one, one more thing. One more. Thing. One more thing. He mind wiped these teens he was making fight for him. Oh, that's right. The team that he sent before on a suicide mission that all died. That's right. And Vulcan and everything, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, he he mind wiped an entire brother. He mind. He mind. Well, for, mm, okay, I don't want to get into Summer Brothers. Oh, I'm so I'm so mad that I didn't get on this show until after you did Havoc because like Havoc is my jam. Even though he kind of sucks, he's he, I love Havoc, so I could talk Summer's Brothers for a long, long mm, time. So let's not do it. I don't. I don't yeah. want to talk about Summer. No, Although, no. One of the best things. One of the best things in Secret Secret uh, Wars that uh, the Hickman. Hickman run event. Um, they had a series called Siege, which was basically like on the wall that protected them from all like the because this was Battle World. Oh, right, right, right. Where like all the different things, but they also had like all the like the apocalypse ending, like bad future apocalypse things. Yeah, and they had a wall called the wolf called the shield, and they had a Summers division, which is just basically just all the different Summer brothers <laughs> from different universes. Did it have Adam X the Extreme? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Was he too well, radical for that issue? <laughs> but it, it made me it made me chuckle. No, I love that. I love that because you've got Mutant X uh, Havoc, like the, who lives in the vampire world. You've got like. Um, you've got all the Cyclopses. 
Is that how you say with a multiple of Cyclops? Uh, there's, you've got all the cables. You've got X-Man. You've got – there's so much you can do. Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Well, I think we're actually kind of done talking about Jean. Well, let's get, we'll get back to Jean Grey because you know what? <laughs> we'll get back to Jean because we have one thing. I have one other thing yeah, to say. Yeah, but, but go on. Go on. So I was listening to My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Mm-hmm. You know, as a lot of people do. And – they were making fun of like bad superhero names, and they brought up it'd be like an X Men named X Man, and I'm just like, <laughs> there well, there is one. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and, I, and I like, heard that too. I heard that too, and, and I was like screaming at my podcast. No, like, and the thing is, is I don't like X Man. No, he's kind of dumb. In fact, I don't like him that much because he's a product of Age of Apocalypse, which is the event that never stops existing. I know as a thing, and. Like, I was just like, but that's Nathan, that's Nathan Gray, and he has a glowing guy thing, and it's like alternate universe, and like, and like part of me, and like, I don't know why I got upset. <laughs> this is an important part of Marvel history, people, come on, how do you not know this? Yeah, X-Men is the worst name, the worst. I mean, it's a bad name, but like, they were just the way they, because they, you know, it was a rift for a little bit about bad superhero names, and like, I'm just like, oh. but... <laughs> But the example you gave was an actual character. Is is there an Avenger <laughs> named Avenger? Like that's what it would be like. I don't. Think that wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't one. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that, that's I'm sure, but not as an actual Avenger. That's where it gets wrong. But um, X Men. But also, we, also another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this teenage, this teenage girl, and Xavier's uh, care was dressed in basically what I would call. For, for a bit, she was dressed in kind of like that, you know, an X-Men uniform. You know, X, you know, yeah. blue and blue and yellow. Yeah. But one of her more iconic outfits was basically her in a miniskirt. Wait, like, are you going to badmouth the green mini dress? I, no, I'm not going to badmouth okay. it. I'm just saying putting it on a teenage girl that you're <laughs> lusting after, maybe not Professor X. <laughs> Well, the whole the whole weird like all right guys we're gonna bring you away from your families you're gonna come into my house you're gonna live i'm gonna train you in secret to be my little army i'm gonna change your names i'm gonna give you really tight clothes to wear and it's all cool all right you're hey, in hey token girl wear this mini dress <laughs> it'll look great next to the weird guy with huge feet <laughs> this is all perfectly normal uh, Jean Grey, though, you know, she's never, has she ever really had, that's, that, the thing is, except for Phoenix, has she ever had, and technically that, is that her, is that not her? That's debatable. Um, has she ever had a great costume? I think parts of X Factor, she did. And she just had the leotard with the big X. I don't know. That one was. I'd see. Okay, the one that's the one huh. that's in my book is good. Yeah, you're, I think you're right because that would be the X Factor one because that was '87. Yeah. Good. Yeah, hey, that's X-Factor not bad. Good. Yeah, that's not bad. No, it's not good. It's not like super revealing or anything. I mean, it's like no, you know, no, skin tight, but like not in a way that's like sexualized. No, it's, it's full like, on. It covers everything. Yeah, it's and, and again, again, I want to say this again. You don't. I mean, you don't have to be covered up all the time and not prudish or anything. Oh, no. But you can tell when something is sexualized because it's sexualized. Right. Or or if it's, 
you know, or if it's meant to be sexy because it's sexy, not because it's sexualized. You can tell. Right, right. Because, no. like, again, again, like, Marina, as much as we kind of badmouthed her, <laughs> she's, she's wearing something skimpy. I'm sorry, who? Marina. It sounds, it rings a bell. So, but Marina, like we, she is barely wearing anything, but it's not sexualized. No, she's wearing a bathing suit. She swims a lot. Like it's not, it's no, not no, sexualized it's, it's not, at all. It's, it's not sexualized. It's not necessarily sexy. It's just, yeah, she's wearing something. Yeah, it's not like Power Girl with her, with her boob window. Yeah, and so I think X Men also did a good job at like having like. <sighs> Characters that were sexy being sexy and characters that were that and that characters not being sexualized. Like cause No, and like they did good. Cause like so like all the people like, you know, like Celine and stuff like that and Emma Frost, mm-hmm. they're they are sexy because that's part of their part of their personality. Well, and they're yeah, exactly. And they're baddest and they use that. That's part of kind of yeah. their tool set, you know, their their yeah. sexiness. Like that's that's it's not because some guy puts her in that and you know, like well, this actually I think happened to Jean Grey where they when the Hellfire Club takes her, don't they put her into this outfit? It's kind of degrading and stuff. Like Yeah, yeah, and they make it they make a good point at making sexy characters sexy because they want to be sexy. Yeah. And just characters, you know, they and like I will give Claremont that. Yeah. Like he's he was pretty good at make like making non-sexualized women characters. Again, he was trying. And and the artists too. The artists for the most part in Marvel, they they did not try to play that up too much. And then it got weird in the early 90s and started to get kind of weird in the 90s when everything got weird, but you know, but for a while 90, there. Well, the 90s. Let's just yeah, put from, that off in its own right, thing. Up to this point, but, they were doing a pretty good job of making powerful women who were, you know, they could be sexy, but it was usually inherent within what they did was was part of why they were sexy. And and, I, and it, was, it was there was some attempt at empowerment. They were trying to do something with them. And in League, like, I will give Claremont that. I just wish he didn't write novels. <laughs> like, I mean, he could have just wrote, wrote novels instead of, you know, paying an artist to, you know, basically cut out half the stuff he was drawing. <laughs> Instead of having every page be a novel in itself of just covering up, yeah, half the art. It was insane. Oh, Claremont. But but again, like, I'll give Claremont that. He was probably one of the better char- people writing for women. I mean, it would have probably been better if there was more women writers, that- which... But but he did pave the way for Louise Simonson as well. Yeah, who I you know I have my I mean, I issues with he her writing, but no, but he he was a big proponent of hers, and and you know the and the editors, uh, you know, he really pushed hard for that, and she could have easily been overshadowed by she, Walt Simonson, she, and she, and she, she did could it. have just been an editor because that's what she was before, and then like and then she wrote for some for X Factor, and then she started writing New Mutants after she wrote Power Pack, of course. Um, yeah, which but like which were both but, like, big books. Yeah, and so you know she she was she was very talented, and like if it wasn't for X Men, she probably wouldn't have gotten as big as she did. No. No, but you know it would have been it would have been nice to have uh, Jean Grey would have been more of a character, and Charles Xavier probably would would have been way less of a creepy person had there been more of an influence from female right women writers and you know and, and different voices because while Claremont tried and guys like even John Byrne would try. 
they would their best intentions were sometimes not the best stories. Lesson of the episode is like you know, I don't know. Don't write women as sex objects and maybe give them a character before the eighties. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe you know try to spend some of your time for the last forty years trying to come up with a good code name for Jean Grey because they went from Marvel Girl and you're like ah, and well, then, Phoenix. And then, I mean, and she's then she goes to Phoenix and that's awesome. And then they can't come up with anything since then. Nothing. Well. Yeah, I guess the Phoenix went to Rachel, Rachel Summers for a long time, and she was Phoenix. So. Yeah, and Rachel Summers is a little dicey, too. Like, she's a little less... I see what they were going with her, but there's a weird okay. fetish thing to her that I don't know if I like. I will... I'm going to defend her Excalibur things. She is better in Excalibur than she was handled in, in X-Men. I agree. Yeah, in Excalibur, she was quote-unquote sexy. Yeah. But again, it was just part of what she, who she wanted to be. Well, and Excalibur in kind of had that British well, thing Excal- of sexiness Exc- wasn't necessarily always a negative at all. Like, sexiness was yeah. just, you could be sexy. Megan was sexy, you know, and that was part of her whole thing. Like, that was... Yeah, and, and they dealt with that because she was an empathic shapeshifter. Yeah. And even though she was sexy all the time, it's because, like, you know, she just wanted uh, she wanted to feel pretty, even though that feels wrong to say now, <laughs> kind of. But, like... If I was an empathic shapeshifter, do you know how goddamn sexy I would be, Jesse? Would- well, well, well. To be fair, to be fair, though, like she was kind of the girlfriend, yeah. quote unquote, girlfriend of Captain Britain, and like Captain Britain was just like, yeah, you're beautiful, and she was beautiful, yeah, because yeah. of it. But at the same time, they that was a really tough line to go run, and they were always just on that edge, and sometimes they just fell off to the wrong side to that, just, <laughs> that. just a little bit. But you know, again, it- again, always trying. That's that's yeah. one thing. So, I will give them. They're always they were usually always trying. Best intentions. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of best intentions, uh, what podcasts do you have? But we usually have the best intentions for our listeners. Um, but uh, you can check me out with my co-host Alan on Interrupted Tales at interruptedtales.com, where we uh, read old pulp and vintage crazy stories and add jokes and commentary. I think it's a fun little show that you should be listening to. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's 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 nice and fun. Oh, him and him and Alan have very calming voices, <laughs> and it's nice to hear them. It's and I often listen to them before I go to bed. So. That's right, people fall asleep with us. It's uh, it's it's nice. And I know people. I know people say, you know, I don't think sometimes it's like, oh, it made me fall asleep. It's like, no, it's relaxing. No, it, it's the, the, our podcast in, is in a lot of ways a tribute to Mystery Science Theater three thousand, which I hold is the greatest show on earth to fall asleep to, and that is not a negative comment at all. No, no, it's it's just a very relaxing and like you know, you get some laughs in, and then, but it's like not, not like and again, not like I'm not. This sounds so horrible when I'm saying it, but like it's not like you know big halls or anything. It's just like it's very relaxing and like you can kind of like just like yeah, have a nice little sleep. It's very simple. We read you a story and 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 we tell jokes about it as we read it. You know that's that should be relaxing. It should be. A lot of people listen to audiobooks when they drive. Let's try our stories out. You'll get a you might get a kick out of it, and it might put you to sleep. Thank you, Jesse. And some (laughs) and sometimes Alan will say a. 
entirely over the head of almost everyone listening joke. Yes. And you'll just make fun of them for it. Yes. For for most of the episode <laughs> afterwards, it's great. <laughs> we get a little obscure at times. Um, he and, and both of us try to kind of top each other a little bit in obscure references. So <laughs> if you want references to very obscure 60s performing artists, we are there, <laughs> we are there for you. Um, so, yeah. So, that, so uh, speaking of things that are obscured, uh, uh, that could have been a better segue if I just <laughs> went on. Well, guess what? I can make it sound like a better segue because you, you can listen to Creepy Critters, which is a cryptid podcast where I talk about cryptids of sorts. I normally don't talk about the major ones like the like the Bigfoots and stuff in the world, but sometimes it, but I talk about the other ones that you may not have heard of. And are very interesting. Nice. So, and everybody should yeah. be listening to that. I yeah, agree. It's it's like I like it a lot. I put a bit more work into that one than I do this one. What <laughs> you you had to read the entire Marvel <laughs> entry on Marvel Girl? Come on. I had to read the entire. I actually didn't even look at that one. <laughs> <laughs> like I just knew. I just know her general history. Listen, you had to read the one about <laughs> Marina. So you are a a saint, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> It was just a lot of just like, she's an alien and she has bloodlust and then she swims fast. It's wonderful reading. <sighs> but um, yeah, but you should listen to that one. And if you want to list- look at my little cryptid, my cat with four thumbs. Ooh, that's two extra thumbs. <laughs> you can go to at Marvelous Mooch on Instagram where you can look at cute pictures of them. Definitely do that. It's a cute cat. And I, as, as another owner of a cat with uh, four thumbs, I give it a big thumbs up. Yeah, well, my cat gives himself four thumbs up. <laughs> I give I give him two, but that's because I don't have extra ones. Um, so uh, thank you for listening, and this has been Alphabet Flight. May Madcap show you how truly, truly meaningless life is. Bye. <laughs>